ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Constellation Field in Sugarland. Here now are The Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. What up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George, assistant to the regional manager, back behind the glass at Gal Media. We're at Constellation Field, home of the Sugarland Space Cowboys. Going to watch Michael Brantley take BP here in about an hour. Although the Astros' offense yesterday looked really, really good. The Astros scoring some runs, Blankers. It was nice after a team player-only meeting. Mauler Team Maldonado brings them all together. And the Astros, after trailing 3 nothing after 1, Scored a bunch of runs and won a baseball game. Yeah, they sure did. I mean, it gave you a little bit of a, a, a cause for concern when uh, they gave up the runs early, the three-run bomb in the first inning from Javier, who, as I tweeted, uh, at least he's worked out the pitch count and the, the giving up the runs early. No, maybe not. Uh, that didn't work out so well. But the offense came to play. Maldi tagged up from second on a fly ball to center field and made it. So he I guess business. He found the energy level to ratchet it up after the team meeting. And the team got down to what they should be doing, and I think it's what you were tweeting about as well. They're going to have to rely on this offense. That's why we were talking about getting that death lineup together and keeping it out there as consistently as they possibly can because guys you and I have been talking about that have to be in that lineup every day, they were the guys doing the damage again yesterday when you start talking about Chaz and you start talking about Yiner. Yeah, Chaz was uh, fantastic. Double dong Chaz McCormick. Hit a couple of homers. There's a bunch of advanced numbers that are out there that tell you Chaz McCormick has been great. We don't need those advanced numbers to tell you that Chaz McCormick has been great. Chaz McCormick has been great. Yep. Um, this guy has been a revelation for the Houston Astros. Entering this season, look, Dusty Baker didn't give him the opening day start, something that you hated at the time. I did. Um, Jake Still Myers. Did. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people do. I, I for one, didn't really care. Like, I figured well, that Chaz McCormick's going to play. But, look, hindsight 2020, I'm on your side. Like, Chaz McCormick is the days? better player. If it That's was right. Just he missed the, the second day, too. It was just the first game, but if it was two games now i'm really a little irked about it and i still am yeah it's uh it, it's quite uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable that it took so long for for chas mccormick to be an everyday regular baseball player and chas mccormick now is an everyday regular baseball player ops flirting with 900 it's, it's unbelievable how good chas mccormick has been and he was just one piece of that offense yesterday your guy our guy everybody's guy uh yiner diaz was also good yesterday he had a couple of like he had an infield hit that almost hit the base but then dropping in the barrel on the ball late in the game yesterday the back-to-back homers taking it the other way getting it over the right field wall Yiner Diaz's power is incredibly impressive and the one observation that you know watching Yiner all season long he finds his barrel like he finds barrels like that pitch yesterday it was off the plate but he finds his barrel and he's got so much strength that he can drive the ball out of the ballpark to your second point the fact that it's one thing to find the barrel on a ball that's that outside and go the other way and take it that way but you're expecting that ball to hit a gap or just hit some grass or get down but the fact that it looks so effortless and it got out tells you just how strong he is and what he can do and the damage that he can put on a baseball every time he's in the batter's box. And that's just yet another reason why I keep harping on the fact this guy should be playing every single day because good things happen when he's in the batter's box. Yeah, early on, again, he was chasing some pitches, and he had, he had a, a less than stellar at bat, I'll call it, uh, early on when they had a chance to do more damage. But the fact is is that he, keeps, he, he takes a lick and keeps on ticking, and when he gets bat to baseball – it can go a long way in a short period of time. You're not going to like today's lineup. I'm not. Yiner Diaz is not in today's lineup, oh, which kind of defies logic. Look, 
I've I've tried to defend Dusty this year very very hard and Dusty we trusty I've tried very very uh, very very You're kidding me man I've tried very hard I've tried very hard to defend Dusty at times and look you know if there was a lefty on the mound okay well. You know, I don't necessarily like that, but I can understand what you're doing there, Dusty. Yiner doesn't hit lefties as well as righties, not only this year, but also dating all the way back to, you know, his minor league days. Because lefties do, in fact, exist in minor league baseball. But there's a righty on the mound today. And, look, I understand it's a JV day. And when JV's pitching, you have a personal catcher in Martin Maldonado. You have a personal center fielder in Mauricio Dubon. But there is absolutely no reason that exists why John Singleton should be in the lineup for the Houston Astros today instead of Yonder Diaz. And there's a righty on the mound. Tanner Houck is pitching for the for the Boston Red Sox. Unless he learned how to throw left-handed, he is a right-handed pitcher, and Yonder Diaz should never sit the bench whenever there's a righty on the mound. Yonder Diaz today will be coming off the bench. Absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I've, I'm not quite to where you were this year trying to be uh, very defensive or to, to give Dusty the benefit of the doubt and stick up. I just stick up for him. I just can't believe some of the things that he does. And it's not to say I want him fired. It's not to say that I think he's doing a bad job overall. It's to say the fact that I don't understand the decision-making from Pawpaw's belly. I don't understand when he gets an urge and he wants to run to the fridge, uh, you know, at midday getting ready for a lineup that he decides, oh, right behind the ketchup is an idea that I had in my belly when I decided to make this snack. And that is to sit the guy, one of the guys that's been the hottest hitter for you in the last couple of weeks, a guy that's been doing damage every time he's in the lineup. Yeah, here's a good idea. Let's put him down and let's put in a guy that besides a two-bomb day has not done nearly anything to, to warrant being at first base tonight in a game like we said where every single game's important. Look what happened late night last night when everybody went to bed, put head to pillow, and thought that you know the Rangers were up one nothing and the, the Astros got a win. You wake up and find out in the 11th inning, Arizona did some damage, came from two down, got a win, narrowed the gap for you in the division. And that's why it's so important to keep pressing forward these death lineups every night to put your best offensive chance in the lineup every day. Yeah, this one doesn't make sense. Like, you can, okay, you're going to you're going to use Maldonado for uh, Verlander. Okay, I get that. But you're going to use John Singleton at first base for Verlander? Like, Verlander's a fly ball pitcher. Like, we heard the excuse from Dusty uh, whenever he was supposed to play first base on Saturday for Fromber. Well, he's, he's been at first base longer. He can fill the position better. Okay, ground ball pitcher, that kind of makes sense. Verlander's a fly ball guy. Uh, Yiner Diaz had a home run yesterday. Yiner Diaz also with that home run yesterday, by the way, Blankers, tied the single-season record for the Astros by a catcher, which is pretty good for a backup catcher because that's what Yiner Diaz is. And then not in the lineup the next day. I've tried so hard in Dusty We Trusty. I've tried so hard. Today's defies logic unless, you know, Yiner's sick or something that we just don't know about. Uh, but that one's pretty baffling. But a lot to get to from that game yesterday. Uh, Martin Maldonado had a two-hit game, which is pretty cool to see. Martin Maldonado being anything offensively. But we, we've, we've talked about this for a while now. Martin Maldonado's low-key decent against left-handed pitching, and he, and he showed that again yesterday. He not only did that, but I think he backed up when everybody was being so critical of, you know, why is he leading the team meeting? Why is a guy that's the worst, you know, li- the biggest liability in the lineup every single day that everybody wants to point fingers at? Why is he doing what he did? Well, he's a leader. He's a leader in the clubhouse, and now he's trying to be an example on the field. And as much as, again, we can be very honest about his lackadaisical effort behind the plate with pass balls, with his inability to make the kind of throws he made, you know, a year ago, the way that he's done a lot of things differently or a little bit more carelessly than he's done in the past, all those things – fair points to talk about but since he was the guy that led the meeting 
he set an example with that game that he played last night. Not, not only the two knocks, what I'm talking about is a fact that a hustle guy, not, not a guy known for hustle, makes a hustle play. Tags up on a ball to center field, gets to third base, gets dirty, slides, which I, don't, I can't remember the last time I've seen him slide. Uh, and the fact that he ends up being a, a focal point in getting that, that entire lineup started and to keep that energy level up. And it was good to see from Maldonado. It was good to see from the entire offensive lineup. Yeah. Did you notice uh, the, the Maldonado-Reese McGuire exchange late in the game where Maldonado, he actually got the pitch clock violation as he was having a conversation with Reese McGuire and then would later strike out on three pitches, a little good morning, good afternoon, good night. Um, what was that all about? Did, did you, were you able to make any sense of that whatsoever? That I, was bizarre. I wasn't, and I was going to ask you, and we didn't get to it yesterday, but this comes on the heels of, of he getting into it with J Rod in the last in the in the game against Seattle after the the benches cleared, I like, didn't see that. Yeah, he had a conversation that was ongoing during a J Rod at bat. Obviously, in that series, J Rod got on first base. He was backing up first base. He went over to the base after backing up first base to continue the conversation again with J Rod. J Rod was shaking his head. It looked like that it went from where J Rod started it with smiles. It didn't end with smiles, and I'm just wondering, again, if that's a little bit more fire from Maldi overall in the last couple ball games with opponents. Yeah, uh, he, I didn't see the, the J-Rod thing. I, I take your word for it. Now, there are times when Maldonado will try that sneaky play at first base for, like, a back pick. Remember, but they this got started somebody. At, during the at-bat before chatty. it happened, yeah. But then the yesterday with Reese McGuire was, was just bizarre. Like, McGuire struck out looking on a pitch that was a strike. So maybe McGuire was like, hey, nice frame job, Maldonado, which Reese McGuire would not know his – uh, baseball savants because Martin Maldonado has not been a good framer, uh, contrary to popular belief. But that was just a very bizarre conversation in the middle of an at bat, and then Maldonado strikes out over the course of that the, the middle of that or that full at bat uh, when it was all said and done. But the Astros scoring nine runs, I thought this was impressive, especially after they they fell behind three nothing. Christian Javier giving up the three runs, and then you were like, okay, this is like after that after that first inning, I'm like, here we go again. This is another situation yeah. where the Astros are going to struggle. Another situation where the Astros continue, you know, this losing streak, and then the offense woke up. You know, you hear about team meetings, you hear about player meetings, and it's like, cool, whatever. Like, that stuff happens all the time in in Major League Baseball and sports in general. But whenever you can put action behind the, the words is something that's encouraging. We were telling you yesterday, let's let's see where the Astros go from this pivotal part of the season. I think the player-only meeting was a pivotal part of the season. It could go good. It could go bad. So far, so good. I'll, I'll be tracking the Astros' record since the team meeting. And right now, Astros' record since the team meeting, 1-0. And outside of Christian Javier, lousy performance. We'll get to that later. Uh, the offense was fantastic. You score nine runs, 16 hits against anybody in Major League Baseball. You're putting your money where your mouth is. You're, you're, you're having a players-only meeting, and then you're actually carrying it over to the field with your actions the very next day. That's encouraging. Yeah, we talked about the fact that sometimes these things work, sometimes they don't, but the fact that they actually made the effort to try and do it means that they all care a whole hell of a lot, and they realize that this is a focal point in the season, and, and they do need to pick it up a notch, and, and they shouldn't need these kind of reminders outside of the coaching staff and the things that happen on a daily basis, but sometimes they do, and at least for one night, it was a big outburst from the offense that put them in a position to come from behind and do what they needed to do and get a much-needed win. Now, tonight's going to be an, another interesting scenario for me because normally, after they put up a, an outburst like that, they struggle for runs the following night. You know, Verlander hasn't been his utmost best uh, since he's been with the Astros in his last start or two. You want him to get off to a good start. You don't want him to get behind, and you want him to be able to be in a position of strength all night. I'm curious to see, especially now that we know that Yiner's not going to be in the lineup too, if this offense can, can kind of carry it over to this game 
and try and stay hot. You're not facing one of the Red Sox best pitchers per se. They were they were kind of delaying who they were going to name as the starter. I'm curious to see how the offense comes out of the gates tonight and if they can get an early lead. Yeah, it'll be uh, fascinating to see if the Astros can take the second game of this three game series. Uh, as well. 713-780-ESPN. Killer Bees broadcasting live from Constellation Field in Sugarland. Uh, the Houston Astros will be in action against the Boston Red Sox a little bit later. You can find us on Twitter. He's at Pac-Man. Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Brandon. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. Uh, we'll be there in the chat room interacting with you. You won't see our, our beautiful faces today. Uh, we'll be there interacting with you here in a little bit. A lot to get to today. It is a cash it or trash it day on the Killer Bees. We'll see what hot takes over react that you have also we're going to start counting down to the houston texans regular season 14 shows until the houston texans kick it off so of course we got to have a little bit of texans at four but coming up next christian javier is not good right now uh would you take five innings three runs every time for christian javier what should they do with their big money starting pitchers killer bees on espn 97.5 and espn 92.5 circa million and circa survivor are back i'm heading to circa uh, on thursday i'm going to get involved in this too by the way 14 million dollars in guaranteed prizes no rake the biggest football contest in las vegas are back for their fifth year only at circus sports head to circa enter in vegas and the beauty of this bad boy you can play from anywhere your couch work wherever because you can play from anywhere once you enter in las vegas the two contests first one the circa million football contest six million in total prizes quarterly payouts 100 percent payback no rake you can't get that anywhere else top prize one million bucks you pick five teams against the spread weekly and the winner takes home a million dollars the other contest the circa survivor we've all played survivor pools they have their biggest prize pool yet eight million dollars simple pick a winner straight up no spread and win big be the lone survivor and a guaranteed eight million dollars is yours bigger money than ever before play today for your share of 14 million bucks in guaranteed prizes contest open now you don't want to miss out enter in vegas play from anywhere head over to circusports.com for details kane is in the building <laughs> Welcome back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Constellation Field in Sugarland. Here now are the Killer Bees, Branham and Blank. Oh, Branham and Blank. That's good, Spencer. Spencer's, uh, he was wrong yesterday. He was very inaccurate about things. We're going to be watching Spence to make sure he's up to his, uh, he's on his best behavior, which I doubt it. Uh, Killer Bees broadcasting live Constellation Field in Sugarland ahead of a nether Michael Brantley rehab assignment game. Here's my, uh, here's my guess, Blankers. Tell me if I'm nuts here. Okay. Michael Brantley's going to play today. Mm-hmm. He's going to play tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to go watch an Astros game in the dugout on a Thursday midday game. And then he's going to fly with the team to Detroit and be activated in that series. I would think I had a little birdie that was up here a little while ago. Yeah. That said that he was going to work out today. He's not going to play? But probably not going to play today. What is it, the threat of rain? Yeah, I don't know what the it is. Conditions? But I was a little disappointed because not only do I want to see him take some BP, That's interesting. but I want to see sprinkles and icing playing an actual ball game a little bit to see exactly how he looks against pitching and, and get you know more anticipation for the big letdown. Or so I um, hope the big letdown. Say it was reported earlier that Michael Brantley was scheduled to play. So mm. there is some we should uh, watch that contradicting drama reports. You know apparently. you like drama. I do. I do like. Maybe it's a threat of rain, though. There was a threat that the field could have possibly been wet. So Michael Brantley. Now can't we play live on a, about a mile and a half, two miles, a couple miles from here. Well, we're looking at it. And I, I had rain uh, at my house about an hour and a half ago. Yeah. 
And Garrett said that Garrett with the the Space Cowboys said that they did not get the tarp is out, but they did not get any rain out here. So I don't know how that system came by, but evidently it didn't catch uh, Constellation Field. All systems go. Uh, maybe not for Christian Javier though. Christian Javier was lousy yesterday. Sure was. Um, I've I think I've been defending Christian Javier more than anybody. I've seen encouraging signs with Christian Javier when he was in his little bit of a you know not a little bit. It's a lot of a slump now. But his last two starts have been very disappointed with. Yesterday's look, his line scored three runs, five innings. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not good, but it's not the worst thing in the world. But it's just the struggles. Everything is a struggle. Every single hitter is a struggle. Every out is hard to record. It feels like every hitter is getting ahead 2-0 and on Christian Javier. It is challenging right now for Javier. If you just look inside the numbers, every inning he had two guys on base. Every inning he, his pitch count was just outrageous. The first inning he threw 30 pitches. I mean, you look at the fact that he gave up three runs and 30 pitches. That's not setting the table for a good outing. But every single inning, he had traffic on the bases. He was pitching from behind. He was in a ton of 3-0 and counts, 3-1 and counts. And you're going, okay, evidently things he isn't working out the kinks and figuring things out. Because at one point, too, the fastball velocity was pretty low. It was a couple miles an hour lower. But then it picked back up later. Yeah. So I wasn't as concerned about the velocity. But the fact that I know that everybody is enamored with when his fastball's right, that it's riding. It's going up. It looks like it has the appearance that it's, it's, it's going up into the strike zone. Guys chase it a lot. It was not even a competitive pitch when it was rising up. It was so far out of the strike zone. Hitters weren't biting. Yeah. They weren't chasing. And that was a bigger problem. See, I think it's a combination of everything. I think his velo's a little bit down. Chandler Rome tweeted out that he threw like an 89-mile-per-hour fastball. I'd have to go back and see that. You think it was a fastball or you think it might have been a change-up that the scoreboard got wrong? I don't think. I, I just I never I have felt a like hard it dipped under believe, 90. I have a hard time believing that he threw an 89-mile-per-hour yeah. fastball. Now, like he was sitting low 90. He's like 92, 93. I thought he did finish stronger than he started. Uh, to your point, but you're right. Like the command, one off, for first for starters, his velo is down. Yep. Secondly, like maybe his arm angle is a little bit off that he's not getting that rise. And then you're right. Like the command at the top of the the command period's brutal. Every hitter is up two and zero on Christian Javier. He, you might as well just walk to the box with a two zero count on Christian Javier because the command has been terrible. It has been awful. But then that fastball that's high, you know, they, he's trying to live at the top of the zone. It's not competitive a lot of the time. Like we, we, I always look at Javier. Two numbers that I think are critical for Christian Javier's like success and how good his stuff is is the amount of hits that he's giving up and the amount of strikeouts he's mm-hmm. getting per inning. Whenever he's pitching well, go back to last year. Like last year, he was one of the best strikeout per nine guys in all of baseball. He had one of the best like opponent batting averages in all of baseball. When he's giving up seven hits in five innings, his stuff is poor. When he's striking out three over five innings, his stuff is poor. He's been pretty bad. He was not good yesterday. And if you're the Astros, I think you have a huge problem here. I think you have a huge problem on your hands on what you need to do with Christian Javier. No, no, you're absolutely right because of the fact that we go back to what was it? Uh, uh, was it like 2018? was the year, I think it was, in the playoffs, when they couldn't get starters to get into the fifth inning. They just struggled mightily, and you're starting to look at this and go, well, I mean, from the standpoint of knowing that Hunter Brown can come out of the bullpen because he had a miserable start his last outing, giving up two runs in each of the first three innings. But we know that previous to that, Hunter Brown was the guy that came out of the bullpen and was really good for you. You look at Javier and say, it's another guy that's been able to come out of the bullpen in the past and be successful, and maybe that's a recipe for a little bit more success than what you're seeing right now. You might have to just rely on the fact that it's JV, it's Fromber, it could be JP France as well, and then it's just going to be kind of like uh, uh, you construct bullpen games, but with really good 
starting pitchers of the past that at least for the rest of this season, they might be better suited to less innings, more velocity, yeah. more chance to kind of dig deep, empty the tank, get you a couple innings, and then move on and try and peace market, peace make it from there. I don't know if that's the actual solution, and that's not something that really excites yeah. me, but you got to make it do, make do with what you have right now. I'm, I'm on the cusp of just making him my long guy in the bullpen. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm moving in that direction. The one thing that is preventing me from going all the way there is Hunter Brown's last performance, and Jose Arquiti's been like, okay, but not great since his return. Like, if Jose Arquiti had more starts off of his injury, it's like, okay, just put him in a five-man rotation. If Hunter Brown has looked good as opposed to being shelled the last time out, okay, just make Hunter Brown part of your five-man rotation alongside J.P. French, Jonathan Patrick, who belongs, Verlander, who obviously belongs, and Framer Valdez because he has the pedigree, maybe doesn't belong, but has the pedigree and the reputation to be dominant. If Hunter Brown was pitching well and Urquidy had a longer period of health, I would, I would be saying right now Christian Javier should be in your bullpen. The only hang-up is Brown has also been poor, yep. and Arquiti's still fresh-ish off of injury. Yeah, that's the thing that kind of gives you a little bit of concern, is the fact that you have uncertainty with two of the guys that otherwise you would easily just pencil in as one of your four starters in the playoffs and be good to go. Now, for everything that we've said positively all season long and how I've been harping on, you do not put J.P. France in the bullpen. Again, he didn't deserve it at the time that you did, and you realize this is a guy that's been your most consistent pitcher. The one thing that's uncertain about that is he's just never been in the playoffs before. So you just don't know if things would change at all when he gets on the bigger stage with the brighter lights in a more do-or-die type situation with a lot more riding on it. I have confidence in him. He looks like he's in total control of his emotions. I want to believe that he's the guy, but if there is uncertainty as it goes across the board with starting pitchers, that has to be considered as well. Yeah, yeah, it's that's it's, it's interesting dynamic that the Astros are in right now because the, Javier has been bad for a period of time. There were signs of him getting better, but I thought his last two starts were major step backs and major regression uh, from Javier. But then Hunter Brown last start lousy. You need to see some more starts for for uh, Jose Arquiti, and you also want to take care of him. You want to take care of Jonathan Patrick, and Fromber's been bad. If we're being completely honest, uh, it, it's pretty bizarre. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN six one zero four says the guy that needs to be in the bullpen is Christian Javier. He's shown that he can be dominant out of the bullpen in the past. He's also kind of slow getting ready. Like he's kind of weird in the bullpen because he has shown that he is good out of the bullpen in the past. But he also takes a long time to get ready. So you have to have like a plan of when you're going to get him. Uh, Bobby Miami says hello. Joe George missed out on the fun of Bobby Miami. Uh, we'll, have to, uh, we'll have to keep him uh, in the loop a little bit later. Uh, Eric Pawpaw's belly is going to have Javier as the third starter if the Astros make the playoffs. I don't doubt that, Eric, because Pawpaw does what's in his belly, like plays John Singleton over Yiner Diaz on a day after Yiner hits a home run and uh, playing a righty, which Yiner has incredible numbers against righties. Uh, Todd, the show says, I couldn't figure out why Singleton was starting over Yiner. Uh, but the only thing I can think of is the one big day Big John did was a JV day when he hit two bombs. So maybe it is uh, Dusty Baker like, oh, yeah, John Singleton loves to hit when Justin Verlander is on the mound, you which think, think, makes no sense, but it wouldn't shock me if that is the, the logic of Dusty Baker. You think Dusty shuffles into his office and JV's already sitting in his chair going, give me a second, Papa, let me finish out the lineup for you. No. No, I don't. I'm writing it all out. I got my man Dubon in center. I got my man Maldi behind the plate. I'm feeling some love for I Singleton. I don't. Didn't Verlander say that like he doesn't care who's in center field? I think that's a lie. 
You think? Do you think it's Verlander's call? I, I, think Verlander, I don't think so at all. I think Verlander could be a, a superstitious type guy. I think Verlander, just for whatever the reason, uh, otherwise it shouldn't have happened all year. I don't think that just because Verlander, it, it's not. But it I, didn't happen in the playoffs. But it also ha- didn't happen basically for quite a while until Verlander came back, and, and then we joked about it. You're right. And, and the fact that <laughs> a joke turned into a reality, and Verlander's first start with the Astros, who was back in center field? Zero five eight seven on the bright side. The Rangers keep losing. That's the funny thing about this is like the Astros last four games. You finally broke a skid you're one in three in your last four games the last two series game one of the Red Sox series yesterday then of course the series sweep against Seattle and you've gained ground in the AL West but you've lost ground in the wild card but you're only a game and a half back of the American League West it's funny uh, five eight five six Diaz sucks at first base I, I I do agree I don't think he's a good defensive first baseman but I think you can hide him at first base he had some pretty good picks yesterday too I think he needs some reps over there to get fluid with the position a little know-how at the position he also says that uh Diaz should have thrown home first then let him DH I think he's talking about the bases loaded no out situation where there was a hard one hopper to Diaz and he threw he went to the bag first. first yeah I didn't think that the play was at home I really thought he threw the ball away too he almost did Maldi yeah, made a great play he really did I don't think the play was at home there I think the play was at second. I think you try to you turn to two turn there. The quick one? You have a you have a lead. You had what was it a four? It was probably a four run lead in that spot. Four five run lead in that spot. It Bases was, loaded, nobody out. You're looking for a double play there. You're surrendering the run for an out. I thought the play was actually to second, not to home. First base was probably the last of the three. I'm options, trying to remember. I'm going to second. Who hit it and who was running to first? That can't remember who was hitting. Yeah, that would maybe have played into it if you had some speed coming down the line. But I'm throwing to second before I'm throwing to home. For yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I think you try and get two there. I, I understand where you're coming from there. But I think that it was one thing that he actually made a nice pick at first base. But the fact that on the run, that was a really dangerous throw that he got the out at first base. It was Yoshida. And maybe he should have eaten it. But instead, probably should eat. Yeah, he goes and throws a laser that was down and away, and thank God Maldi used his whole body yep. to get out in front. Of it was seven three, top of the sixth <laughs> inning. Bases loaded, nobody out. Seth Martinez was was laboring uh, through the sixth inning, and there was a hard one hop shot to Yiner, and Yiner ran to first base. There's three options there: run to first base, throw to the plate, throw to second. You're up four runs in the sixth inning with nobody out. I'm looking for the outs. I'm looking for the double play. I'm not throwing home there. I'm throwing to second. Now, running to first base, eh, uh, maybe not the best option there either. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Is this Astros offense and bullpen going to have to carry this team? It's strange with the starting rotation, with the names in this starting rotation, a la Verlander, a la Fromber. But do the Astros' offense and bullpen have to be the strength to carry this team deep into the playoffs? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Uh, hope everything is uh, for going good for you guys on a daily basis. If it's not, if you don't have the energy, if you don't have the time to get to the gym, or you get to the gym but you're not, you're not thinking you're getting the right results, you need to go see the people at Apollo Men's Health. And the way that you can check in on all their services and see if they've got some that might be beneficial to you, just go to ApolloMH.com. When you go to ApolloMH.com, you'll see a list of all those services. If a few interest you and they think they might, might be beneficial to you, sign up for your first appointment right there online. When you do, if you mention my name, Joel Blank, free B12 shot or body composition analysis on your first official visit, but then go then let the process go from there. Tell them where you're lacking, from the boardroom to the weight room to the bedroom. If you're struggling and you don't think there are answers, there actually are, and they can put you on a program that works. If you want to get in that workout, they can help you there too. And if you don't have time to work out but you need to lose weight, FDA-approved semi-glutide has you losing up to six pounds every single week. They have it there, and they can offer it to you as well. 
I'm telling you, I believe in these people because they're great people that get results. You could be the next to get the same kind of results and feel the exact same way. Check them out and tell them I sent you by. It's the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. 3376 would not be surprised if the Rangers end up in the second wild card and Seattle goes first. I this was a cash it or trash it that I had the other day. You remember it? Yeah. I think there was two that I used. I got one. Yeah, cuz I used three American League West teams to make the playoffs. I I can't, I think y'all were split on the cash or trash. I don't remember who said who. But then I also had a cash or trash that I really didn't even believe at the time uh, and I didn't I I trashed it myself. I just threw it out there and I said I personally trashed this. But I said that Seattle was going to catch the Rangers, and now it looks like it's in play. Well, I was going to catch your trash to, today. Well, don't spoil it. Yeah, so I'll hold off on, yeah, on telling you right now something along the same lines because when you look at the schedule and the way the Mariners are playing, it is totally conceivable right now that they can continue to make up ground and they can continue to do damage because they are riding high. They've got a ton of momentum. They, they have – they are feeling good about themselves. And to put up 13 or 14 runs last night in Chicago against Joe's favorite team, that was impressive enough. But when J-Rod doesn't play and yeah. you're still doing that, that means they're feeling pretty good. Seven one three seven eight zero espn The Astros starting rotation has not been good. There's been some bright spots. Jonathan Patrick, we like him. Yes. We, we think Verlander's going to be fine. Frommer's been bad. Javier's been bad. Hunter Brown was bad in his last start. And Urquidy's still fresh-ish. Off of injury. I believe that the Astros' offense and bullpen is going to have to carry them if they want to have another deep run. 713-780-ESPN, 713-780-3776, HRMP listener line. Let's go there now for Willie. Willie, you're in the high with the Killer Bees. What's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Always. i like to uh, say that uh, if you're starting pitching and defense don't hold up, you're probably not going to win anyway. Uh, so to answer the question, and I also like to say that uh, if uh, they don't uh, have Yonder in, in the uh, lineup tonight, they still should win. They got enough hitters in there to win. I don't know why he got John in the lineup, but, you know, they still should have enough to win. Thank you. You got it, Willie. It sounds like Willie's coming around on Yonder. I love it. I love that we are – we are leading and guiding Willie to jump on the Yiner Diaz bandwagon. Maybe at some point Dusty Baker will jump on that Yiner Diaz bandwagon. Yiner Not Diaz tonight. is a 942 OPS against right-handed pitching. Yiner Diaz is one of the best hitters in baseball against right-handed pitching. Dusty Baker refuses to use one of the best hitters against right-handed pitching against right-handed pitching. I can't believe this. It's, I don't want to talk about it for the next two and a half hours either. I really but don't. It's, but it's worth at least mentioning and making sure everybody realizes this, especially the most staunch Dusty defenders. When we went through the exercise yesterday, I talked about the fact that, again, the things Dusty does – they defy logic sometimes. And it's not that I think he's a bad dude or a bad manager. He's done bad things for the Astros overall. And he did a hell of a job last year in the playoffs. 
But I kept saying it during the regular season. I hope Dusty doesn't do these things that he's doing in the regular season in the playoffs. Thankfully, he didn't. But when you look at it and you listen to what Willie had to say, too, look, you're going to need some starting pitcher. You, you, you just, as much as there's some issues right now and some questions and some things they got to work out, the fact is this is the reason you went out and got Justin Verlander back. You expect that Justin Verlander is going to be a horse, a guy that is going to stand up and be a guy that you can count on. You figure the fact that Fromber has had a no-hitter and that Fromber can do a little bit more than what he's capable of doing, and it shouldn't take as much to tweak his you know, delivery and, and make get back to like regular form again. He should be a guy you can rely on. J.P. France is a question mark because he's never been there. And the other two guys that you're talking about right now are guys that are less than stellar. They're struggling, dare I say, and I don't know if they can snap out of it. So you have to consider ways to win ballgames. There's a million ways to win a ballgame. You can win it with just straight offense and just hammer people. I don't think that they're powerful enough, though they are potent enough, to be able to do that at least consistently, but they can do it from time to time. But that bullpen is too good, and they have too many good pitchers on this roster that if the starters can't carry the, the entire weight like they used to or that, that we've been used to seeing, there are other, way, other means and ways to get there. See, I, to Willie's point about starting pitching, starting pitching is, is critical. It's very, very important. You see teams in the playoffs, though, that are super aggressive with pulling starting pitchers. Yep. Like the Astros last year, the best part of their pitching staff last year was not their starting rotation in the playoffs. It was by far their bullpen in the playoffs. The Astros, when they, when they got to the World Series uh, the year that they lost to the Braves, remember they had nothing in their starting rotation. Like they were down to Fromber Valdez and Luis Garcia after the Lance McCullough injury. And Javi, and, and Fromber was like hit or miss. Luis Garcia was even more hit or miss. And the Astros' bullpen last year was the biggest strength that they had on their pitching staff. I think that this year's team has – like their starting pitching still has potential. If Fromber Valdez can figure it out, Fromber Valdez has the potential to be the very best pitcher in the American League. If Justin Verlander can be somewhat like Justin Verlander, that's going to be fine whenever he's pitching. Uh, Christian Javier's got a long way to go. Hunter Brown's got the stuff, has a long way to go. Urquidy's won some big games for you in the postseason. He seems like he likes that moment. And then Jonathan Patrick, to your point, has never pitched in the playoffs but has been steady. So, like, the starting pitching, I think, can still be good enough for the Astros. But I think you're going to have to have an offense that hopefully gets Michael Brantley back, that maybe Chaz McCormick plays every day, that maybe Yiner Diaz plays every day, where you lengthen that lineup and you can be a threat to score seven or eight runs every single game when you're at full health and when you're at full strength. And then if you look at the bullpen, just reverse engineer this thing. you got Presley. You got Abreu. You got Neris. You now maybe got Montero. You have Graveman. Graveman's Are you going to count Stanek in that mix? I think you can because he has a plus-plus fastball. And when his, when his split he's on, now that's a guy that can get outs in key situations and swings and misses. So I think he's definitely in the mix. Can you count Maton? I can't. Maton's been pretty good lately, like recent, super recent. But like the his last five out. I, I, I'm actually happy that he got hurt because I think it gives him like a nice respite because I think he was overworked. But let's not count Maton. Let, let's, okay. let's, let's just throw Maton out. That's six guys that we just said that are like capable whenever you get to the postseason. You're not asking much from your starters. Well, plus, depending on how deep you go with your starters and how many you use, now your fifth starter becomes a guy that you can go long relief for putting the bullpen to, whether it's Urquidy or it's Brown or, you know, you go up and down the list of guys that could possibly be that guy. And Seth Martinez pitched again last night. You look at guys that can still be a bridge guy, can be a longer guy, can get you a couple of innings. Urquidy could fill that role if he's not a starter. Uh, depending on what they do with Brown and Javier, those two guys could be – one could be the – high. 
look, Javier in high leverage situations, because he's got kind of that even heartbeat, he could come in and he could get guys out and he could give you an inning or maybe two if you need it. Brown could do the same. So you have options, and if you do have to stack and rack all those guys, if it's then knowing that it's coming off the heels of a guy that went seven or seven innings like a JV or a Fromber could mm-hmm. eat innings, you're in a better position. You're not in a panic mode yet. No, I mean you have if you have seven guys in the bullpen before you're even lo- or six guys in the bullpen before you're even looking at a long guy or a starter that goes to the pen, you're asking a starter to give you three innings, and then like those guys will pitch an inning. You know, you obviously not going to do this every single game. Like you want to sandwich that in between a Verlander, a, a you know, a Fromber. But I, I, the way this starting rotation is going, this is going to have to be a, be a team that's driven, I think, by offense because I don't think that this team has played to its ceiling offensively. Like, they've all had moments. Bregman's been hot at times. Bregman looks to be good right now. Altuve's been good just period. Tucker's been good just period. Jordan Alvarez is a tick off still. Like, Jordan Alvarez is about to break out, in my opinion. You know, and then Chaz McCormick's been very good all year. Yiner's been really good all year. And the only thing that's holding him back is Dusty Baker. And then if you throw Brantley in there, you have a really, really dangerous one through seven, it's, one through eight, maybe as deep as anybody in baseball. It's the sudden death lineup. I mean, it's the best possible lineup they can put out there. And if they put the best possible offensive lineup out there, I would probably put that lineup against anybody in baseball. Yeah, the Braves might be a team, if you see them in the World Series, that you could have a hell of an offensive showdown with those two lineups. But until you get to a World Series and see a Braves or Dodgers, I'm not worried about anybody else, especially in the American League, putting up a lineup that can compete with that. Tampa's falling apart by the day, and you're seeing pitching and hitting fall off the wayside. Toronto's been up and down. You know, the teams that you're going to have to worry about are, like you said, all the teams in your division. you got to worry about Texas, who was on a run, now they lost five in a row. Now, on the flip side, you got Seattle that's not only red, red hot, but they're playing against less thans for the next three series. So they've got a chance to really not only make up ground, but kind of establish themselves. But we know how their schedule looks like to finish the year. So the Astros have had a really tough season because of the injuries and the schedule they've already played. But it still sits in the palm of their hand to control their own destiny. And if you just have to switch on the fly one more time and say, we're going to just try and outscore everybody, you have the personnel to do it if Dusty would just play them. Hopefully the starting pitching gets it figured out and you're as well balanced. But, hey, look, this offense I think is capable. This bullpen's more than capable. Uh, 7665, Willie is the GOAT. I'd have a beer with him. I would too, but it'd make it a gentle bin. Willie is the very, very best. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Your thoughts? This Astros offense and bullpen carrying this team how deep could they go if the starting pitching never figures it out Willie doesn't think it's very far what do you think 713-780-3776 and also apparently uh Joe George is telling us we have beef already I'll have to figure out what that's all about I have no idea it's the killer bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5 something I do have an idea about though is, is basketball and basketball goals and the best goals are the goals from Pro Dunk. They, they have them. The, the goals there at Pro Dunk are equal to the goals you see at the NBA arenas, the, the college basketball venues as well. They have the highest quality basketball goals that you can find on the market. They're, they're nothing like the, the goals you find at the big box stores. And you've seen these goals at big box stores. You drive through a nice neighborhood and you see some rink-a-dink basketball goal. Make sense of that. It makes no sense. Pro Dunk Hoops has tempered glass backboard, breakaway rim, stainless steel hardware. It's also height adjustable, five feet. Anywhere to 10 feet, anywhere in between. Their accessories are next level as well. 
LED light kits for night play. Maybe you want to shoot hoops in the evening when it cools down a little bit, at night when it cools down a little bit. Or maybe you just can't shoot and play with the, the golf and pro dunk until you get home from work or your kids get home from school. So these LED light kits will allow for that. Also, backstop nets. You don't have to chase the basketball around. Pull pad lettering, lots, lots more. And you can order everything, including professional installation online. I know you're not good with a level. I know you're not good with a ladder or a screw, screwdriver or any of that stuff. So let the pros at Pro Dunk install the goal for you. And they'll install it at the perfect height, perfectly straight. If they screw it up, you have somebody to blame. But they won't screw it up. The pros do a great job over at Pro Dunk. Give them a call right now, 281-351-9822, and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. Bees have escaped their hive. It's the Killer Bees, live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Constellation Field in Sugarland. Spencer Arigetti going tonight for the Spacers as they go up against the Reno Aces. Uh, Arigetti, kind of, you know, the next top prospect for the Astros on the mound. I'm curious what the Astros end up doing with him. They're kind of crowded in the starting rotation for a little while. Uh, conflicting reports are if Brantley's going to play or not. I've not seen a lineup. They're yet to take BP, too. But It does look like it might rain a little bit out here. But a great uh, great thing to do if you're looking for something to do on a Tuesday night. Swing by Constellation Field, watch some baseball, see Spencer Arigetti on the mound, and maybe even little Michael Brantley if he is in the lineup today continuing his rehab assignment. 713-780-ESPN. Uh, 2094, Dusty's playing chess. Don't play Yiner a lot, but still give him reps. Other teams never get enough data on him, and he goes supernova in the playoffs. I don't think this is a serious tweet. I don't think it is. It better is, not be. But maybe we'll respond to it like it's a serious tweet. I think the book's already out on Yiner. Don't throw him a strike. Like, if I was pitching to Yiner Diaz, I would never throw Yiner Diaz a strike. Well, especially with the fact that he gets wild outside the zone chasing pitches. I mean, you, you know that you might want to pitch around him because he can do damage. But the fact that it is, you might find out that you pitch right into uh, walk into some outs because his pitch selection that he does swing at is awful. It's anywhere. It's everywhere. And if pitchers start throwing a lot of pitches outside the zone, his chase rate is, is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I would, I wouldn't throw him a strike. So I don't, I don't think the, uh, I don't think that Dusty's trying to hide pitchers getting a book on Yiner. I think that book's already out. And Yiner, despite being maybe the most aggressive swinger in all of baseball, is still somebody who hits tanks and dongs and hits the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, Dream Shake, uh, Dream Shake just pointed this out to me. I, I'm not a follower of players. I, I think it's weird, quite honestly. I don't follow players if they tweet something on social media or whatever. That always, I always see it anyways. I don't need to follow them to see it. But Dream Shake points out that uh, Yiner Diaz tweeted out a, a picture of an emoji of, a, of a, a guy raising his hand. Is that a uh, is that a shot saying, "Hey, what do I have I'm to do here. to get in the yeah. lineup?" He's Why like, not hey, me? Why not look now? Over here, he's got Yiner put a picture of himself and has an emoji raising his hands. You think there's you think that's uh, tangible or not tangible? You think it's real or not real? I would hope it's not real. Because I would I hope so. I, I don't think you're there yet and established I, enough. And even if you are, you don't want to rock that boat with Papa. I think it's legit. You do? I think it's legit. I, like, why else are you tweeting that? I, like, you just I, like a, like an emoji raising. Your, I think that's real. I, I'm with you. I don't like that. Yiner I hope did a vet that. stops by his locker then. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan that Yiner did that, but I do think it's real. I, I hope, think that has a message to it for sure. You know, Maldi the sheriff. I hope Maldi. I don't know j- if Maldi's the one who needs to deliver that message though, because they play the same position. Right, but Maldi, I, think it needs to be, I think it needs to be Altuve or, Ver, or Verlander. But it Maldi's can't be Maldi. the guy that had the team meeting. I know that, but it can't be Maldi because they play the same position. It's like a conflict of interest. But you know he can play first base. You know he can, he can play DH. He, he can do a lot of different things. To where if I'm Maldi, I go, bro, come on, man. 
It depends this on their your, relationship. This is your first go-round, right, but this is your first go-round. This is not the time after coming off a team meeting trying to get everybody, you know, all for one, one for all. That's a bad look. It's not. Yeah, I don't I don't like this look for Yiner, but I can totally understand his frustration. Sure. You got an OPS over 900 against righties. You hit a home run yesterday. You had a couple of knocks yesterday, and then you're not in the lineup the very next day. can totally understand Yiner's frustration. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Uh, the Astros offense and bullpen, watching that game yesterday, watching Javier struggle, uh, it just it, – it, just occurred to me like the offense has to carry this team and it it helps in a day when the Astros score nine runs in the bullpen after Javier kind of locked it down outside of Seth Martinez so it's like okay the pitching staff strength is bullpen we just rattled off the names that you can trust in that bullpen Presley I think you can trust Abreu yes Neris has been a little bit shaky lately but a guy who has good numbers this year um I trust Graveman. Like Graveman's, I do too. Graveman's looked a lot better his last yep. couple of outings, too. Montero's still not fully in my circle of dust, but his stuff is starting to play again, and his recent outings have been very, very good. Didn't Julius say something about the fact that he had tweeted? Yeah, I didn't he catch that. He tweeted something about his delivery and his release point. But if it means that he pitched the way he pitched his last outing, I feel really good about throwing him back into the circle of dust. He's, I, I, I trust I trust Graven. I'm not all the way there on Montero yet because I know how bad it started this year. But his stuff plays, man. Like, his stuff seems to be coming back. Like, you throw a 97, getting it by guys. He's kind of spotting and commanding his secondary stuff. Montero's looking good. Like, Montero's looking like he did last season. Montero's looking like the guy that Jeff Bagwell paid all that money to. Now, what Montero did the first half of this season is why I'm very hesitant to fully trust in Rafael Montero again. Yeah, no, look, I personally am like you. When I see Montero warming up, I immediately look at the situation in the scoreboard and go, really? We trust him that much already because he has had a heck of a struggle all season long. But this is exactly why when we were talking about this the the other day, I said, look, this is a a Dusty Baker right down Main Street. He trusts who he trusts, and it doesn't matter what the results say. And he is going to give him every effort, uh, every opportunity to earn the opportunity to be back right there in the mix for one of the last four guys in the back of the bullpen to get opportunities for high leverage. And so far, it hasn't been disastrous, and it's been getting better. But it doesn't mean that I fully trust him, and, and I don't know how Dusty can, but it seems like he's leaning that way. Can I, uh, can I give you a small critique, nitpick of uh, what happened in that, late in that game yesterday? I didn't, I didn't like the usage of Ryan Presley in the five-run game. I know that he was hot. I know that he got up. But throwing Ryan Presley in that game makes him unavailable today. That's right. Like Montero didn't pitch. You could have used Montero. And I understand that it would have been kind of quick for them to get up. But that, that inning, you hit back-to-back home runs. Like, you had, some, you had some chances to get somebody else hot. I didn't, I didn't love using Ryan Presley with a five-run lead in the ninth. I didn't either because, again, the same way I'm talking about putting a death lineup together for every single night right now to, to give your team the best offensive opportunities to win the ball game. I need the same thing to make sure that you're doing the same, handling it the same way with the pitching staff. If it's not a save opportunity, and we've talked about this in the past, when you get a closer – the closer is a little different when he knows there's nothing on the line. There's not a save to get. There's not a, a, a you know a, a come to the rescue of your team and, and shut the door down situation. High leverage. You come in with a five run lead or a four run lead. You relax a little bit. You get a chance to get you know. A, touched up a little bit but more so than that you need him the rest of this series and if you didn't have to use him you shouldn't have used him it's really that simple and it it, it bothered me to see him out I mean, there he's not available tonight he's not you don't a, think he, so he pitch back-to-back days 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, I don't think he's available tonight. You're going to use, use Ryan Presley with 36 games left in the season on So then you're relying even row? more on a Bray, yeah. you and, 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 and Nair. So how do you use him in a five-run game in the ninth when you know the it's next day he's not going to be? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't agree with that at all. All right, so Joe telling us, I have no idea what Joe George is talking about. He says that we already have beef, which is not a surprise. I don't know what it's he's talking about, occurrence. but it's not a surprise that we already have beef with others that are around. <laughs> it's kind of something that we do unintentionally. I don't know why. So what are we talking about here, Joe? What, 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 what's, the, what's going on? Can, yeah. you, can you kind of get it, loop us in here a little bit? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to, you know, I, I get my role on this show. I'm just the punching bag sometimes, so I'm going to exclude myself from this conversation. But I play. No, a, you can't do that. Listen to Joe. He's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna, Joe's going to include himself when it's good, and he's going to exclude he's himself head when it's for bad. the hills. Yeah, listen to this. <laughs> so, Unbelievable. I played a rejoin yesterday, and it had the yeah. wrong showtime. That's right. That's right. And, and you guys made a threat on the show to put Spencer Tillman on Bad Take Boulevard. And I woke up this morning to this. Weren't we trying to find out who to blame? Yeah, but I woke up this morning to this response. Yo, Killer Bees, don't even think about putting me on that Bad Take Boulevard, man. The consequences are dire and long-lasting should you choose this path. In the years since 1560 and now months into ESPN 97.5, my powers have grown exponentially. And I'm able to inflict my will from any distance. So tread lightly, bees. We're getting threatened here because of you. First, first, Spence, first and foremost... I can't take a man seriously that's talking in that voice when they're threatening. Like, let's be honest. Like, if you're going to do the spokesperson, like, voice, you can't be threatening somebody when you do it. And secondly, we're not soft. We're not soft. I'm telling you right now that you're going to be on Bad Take Boulevard on Thursday, Spence. But, Jeremy, if you don't listen, he will build it and he will come. I mean, he's he like, will come he, at you. He's doing his little big voice voice and trying to threaten the killer bees. That's not how it works. Like a Brian Abreu fastball. He will come, Ray. He most certainly will come at you. Can you can you take somebody seriously when they're talking to you that way? I mean, he can do a ton of different voices that he does depending on the, what he's doing for the station. Mix it up a little bit. I mean, I don't know. I think you were pretty passionate, though, about putting him on, on Bad Take Oh, Bullard. he's going to be on Bad yeah. Take Bullard. He's already on there. Like It's a running document. He's already going to be on there. And you know Frank the Tank is instigating all this. There's you know how, no many, doubt about you know how many career rushing touchdowns Spencer Tillman has? He has one more than you or I. We're going there. He does one more wow. touchdown than you or I. <laughs> wow. Well done, Spence. Now it's getting interesting. One touchdown really in his NFL beef. career. And it was his rookie year. Spencer Tillman never ran for a touchdown after his rookie season with the Houston Oilers. And he's acting all tough guy. Hey, we're going to uh, watch out. I'm going to do bad things. I can't take that seriously, Spence. Wow. Jeremy from way downtown in a gonna, bang hey, right there. Uh, hey, I'm not, I'm not one that will punch. Eh, that's probably not true. But I will counterpunch. I will counterpunch. You want to come at me? I will counterpunch like I'm Floyd Mayweather Jr. Just saying. I like it. Just saying, Spence. Talk all that. You, know, you, you get it behind a microphone. You use your big voice, your big spokesperson voice, big radio voice, threaten the killer bees. I'm not bowing down to you, Spence. I want you to be accurate with things that you're saying about the killer bees. Not noon to three, three to six, and, and not zero percent, three percent. I was thinking about it today. Don't mess with the three, two, six in the seven, one, three. That's what you, you got to be careful about because now that we are three to six, Three, two, six, B Mac. See? Yeah, that's great, who we are. Grade the joke there. Seven one three seven eight zero. It's a reality. Seven, we are the three two six. Yeah. Okay, grade how the adage? The grade the reality. 
I don't know how I feel about that one. 713. Oh, <laughs> BMAC or Engineer just thumbs downed it. So there we go. 713-780-3. Yeah, Caleb says it sounds like he's trying to seduce you rather than threaten you. Exactly. <laughs> Caleb put it in a perfect way. Like, I can't be threatened by that. Be a tough guy. Give me some, some threatening words or sound mean. Barry White could take someone out. Man. He was wearing a Super Bowl ring last time I saw him, though, so I do respect that. All right. Texans at four. Our countdown to the Houston Texans kickoff is next with the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You like football. We know that. You like betting on football. We also know that. Do you want to be a millionaire betting on football? Yeah, you probably do. And if that is the case, well, how about you enter the Circa Million or the Circa Survivor? They're back. $14 million between the two in guaranteed prizes, and there is no rake. All of this money is going back into the contest. The biggest football in contest in Vegas, back for their fifth year only at Circa Sports. I'll be there Thursday, Friday. You come join me. Come head over to Circa. Enter in Vegas. And the beauty of these contests, you can play from anywhere once you're entered. You can play from your couch. You can play from your work here in Houston, here in Texas, wherever, because you can play anywhere once you enter in Vegas. The two contests, the Circa Survivor, their biggest prize pool yet, $8 million. All you have to do is pick a winner straight up each and every week. Be the lone survivor, and a guaranteed $8 million is coming your way. If you're an against-the-spread guy, I don't blame you. Enter the Circa Million Football Contest with $6 million in total prizes. Quarterly payouts as well, so you're never out of it. You get hot for the third quarter of the year, you're going to make some money. 100% payback, no rake. Again, you can't get that anywhere else other than Circa. Top prize, $1 million guaranteed in this one. You'll pick five teams against the spread weekly, and the winner takes home $1 million. Bigger money than ever. Play today for your share of $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Contests are open right now. You don't want to miss out. Enter in Vegas. Head to Vegas and then play from anywhere once you're registered. Visit CircusSports.com for details.